Take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4 as we talk about all about change. Now you're probably thinking, is that a tithing sermon? No, not about tithing. All about change. Change is a big thing. I've learned this over the years. Change, some people like it and some people don't. I understand that. There's some things I like to change and some things I don't like when they change. It's our human nature. But I will say this. In our response to God, He requires change. At least that's what Jesus said. And He always told the truth. Matthew chapter 4. This is after the temptation of Jesus. He comes out and his ministry begins. John the Baptist has been arrested. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He pointed to Jesus saying, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now Jesus begins his ministry. Verse 17, from then on, Jesus began to preach. Here was the essence of his messages. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent of your sins and turn to God. Well, now if you'll turn over to Luke chapter 15, he says something else that's pretty significant about this word repent. He's talked about three parables of a lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son. And after he's talking about the lost coin, the lady who goes and tries to find it because she's lost it. And when she finds it, she asks everybody to celebrate with she's found it. And in verse 10, Jesus said this. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. So... I got to determine from this that repentance is a big deal to God. It was a big deal in the message of Christ. And it should be a big deal for us today. I put this in your notes, a quote by C.S. Lewis I thought was very, very wonderful here. We don't come to him as bad people trying to be good people. We come as rebels to lay down our arms An act of surrender, if you will, to who he is, that he's conquered our heart. And so, here's what I know. Repent means a change of mind and a change of attitude. That's what it means. And it really is all about change. When Jesus preached, it was all about change. I know this seems so simple, yet it is so misunderstood and misrepresented What does repentance look like? I don't know. Sometimes when I even mention the word, a lot of images conjured up in your mind. Uh, Maybe you thought of an old fiery preacher with a Bible that was three feet big, pounding and hollering on top of his lungs, repent. Well, that's an image. But repentance is not that. It's more than that. It's not how loud we can be or how strong we can be. It's how we understand the message when Jesus spoke it very clearly, very lovingly, but very powerfully. And so how does it look like? What does it look like when we actually have an 
attitude of repentance, and we've changed our mind that leads to our relationship with God through Christ Jesus. How does that work? What does it really look like? Well, here we go. First of all, I can tell you what repentance is not. Repentance is not repeating a formula. My, 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 we do love our formulas and cliches. But those are not what makes repentance a reality. You see, we can, we can have creeds we repeat and, and things we say and, and, and we can say things and, and, and repeat them again and again like many, many religions do today. They have phrases about God and about uh, the various things of God and that's, there's nothing wrong with that per se except that's not going to lead to a relationship with God. You can say them every day of your life and never have a relationship with God. You can say them in church every Sunday. doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. You can have a creed, a philosophy, ideology, and you can repeat it and repeat it. doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. Even, even saying the sinner's prayer is not repentance. If you've just simply quoted words. It's not repeating the formula. Secondly, it's not experiencing remorse. Remorse, sorrow for being caught, sorrow for being in trouble, sorrow for consequences, sorrow for being exposed, sorrow for being embarrassed. Those are all very real. I don't deny any of those, but that's not repentance. That's simply saying, oops, I got caught. I wish I hadn't got caught. I would give anything if I had not got caught. And so we have remorse over what we've done because we realized we got caught. That's not repentance. That's not repentance. And it's also not expressing emotion like crying. It's it's not expressing emotion. Certainly emotion can accompany repentance. There's no question of that. Oftentimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But it's not just the crying that brings you into a relationship with God. I was talking to a young man one time. He was in trouble. And I was trying to help him. And, and uh, I said, tell me about, do you have a relationship with Christ? And he was a young guy. He was like probably at this point about 18 or 19. And he said, well, yeah, I do. I, th- I think I do. I said, well, tell me about it. He said, well, I remember one Sunday, I, I, you know, the, the preacher got through, and I went down to the altar, and I just cried and cried and cried, and I went back, see, felt better. Really? And then, what do you mean? I mean, what happened after that? Well, none. Cried, felt better. Did life change? Well, no, not really. I mean, no, you know, no. no I mean, really? No. Okay, so the thing is, crying is not repentance. It can accompany repentance. But just to cry, we feel better. All of us feel better when we cry. It's a release that God has designed in us. That's wonderful. You see, tears don't wash away our sin. That requires the blood of Jesus. And so, in understanding this, the fourth thing, and probably the one that's the most deceptive and misunderstood, is that uh, becoming religious or perfect, that must be repentance. 
Well, you know, I'm going to start going to church every Sunday. I'm going to be there and the doors are open. I'm going to give me the newest Bible in the marketplace. I'm going to start giving some money to the poor. I'm, going to, I'm really going to do things differently. I'm going to reform how I do my life. Really, that's not repentance. You can become very religious. You can become, of any, pick any denomination you want. You can be very religious. It ain't going to matter. You can be an awesome Baptist that's celebrated among the congregation, and that still doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. Our tendency is to become religious because we think that'll, that'll make it work. That'll, that'll get us there. That, that'll, that'll, that's how we'll do it, you know. And so if I can be religious or, or, or if I can be uh, perfect, first of all, you're not ever going to be perfect in this life. You're going to fall and get, you get, hopefully, but repentance is what takes place when you have had a relationship with Christ and you fall, you get back up. You may fall again, you get back up. You fall again, you get back up. But people think I've got to be perfect, so I'm going to work on being perfect, then, then I'll be okay. No, you won't, because you can't be perfect. Jesus said to the guys who were very religious in his day, and I, I don't think any of us could measure up to the Pharisees. I'm going to be real honest with you. I mean, they were just good. They, 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 they went to synagogue every day. They prayed three times a day. They talked about the Bible all day long, the law. They talked about Moses. They even added stuff to it to make sure they didn't mess up at all. And then, and then they, they just uh, had Bible verses on their robes. Uh, they were pretty religious. They prayed publicly. I prayed long. And Jesus said to these men, unless you repent, you will perish. Now, so you're saying, what does it take then? What could it possibly be? It's not becoming religious or perfect. You can't do that. And this is perhaps the most common substitute for repentance in our culture. We live by a creed or an ideology or some denominational uh, boundaries, and we think, well, this is going to work for me. I don't know, it isn't. I had a lady I was talking to one time, and she'd come to me and said, I got to talk to you. She said, I've been listening to what you've been preaching, and and I'm just real disturbed. I said, well, what are you disturbed about? She said, well, I'm not sure I have a relationship with Christ. I said, well, let's talk about it. So we sit down and begin to talk. And, and she said, uh, I, I have been in church all my life. I'm, I'm in a church that my grandfather started. My father and my mom and dad go there. And, and we've been a part of that church. I went through their classes uh, from the time I was a child. When I was age of 12, I'd finished all the classes. I knew all the answers. And when, I, when they asked me, I told them all the answers. They baptized me. I've been baptized. I know all the answers. I've been in church. I sing. I do, I do various things. I've been involved. But something really is wrong. It's okay. And what her problem was, she'd been very, very religious. I mean, really religious. And people are that way today. Maybe you're one of those people. You're just real religious. Everybody thinks you're great because you're so religious. That is everybody but God. He don't think you're great. You see, and so we kind of do that. We, we, we celebrate religion. And people go, I must be okay because I'm, I'm pretty religious. I do most of the rules. I keep most of them. I, I probably am better than most people. And, and, and Jesus says, no, no. This is why his message was so direct. 
So let me tell you what repentance is. If it's not those things which are so, they're so common among us, then what is it? Repentance is this. Number one, it is surrender to the authority of Jesus. Remember I told you it was simple? It just isn't easy. It is surrender to the authority of Jesus as Savior and Lord. It's a change of attitude. It's a, it, is, it is coming to the point where I surrender. Therefore, I'm saying I am willing for you to change me. Because truth is, we can't change ourselves. You ain't got the power to change yourself to please God. You can change yourself to please a lot of people, but not God. And so he says, when we come to a point of surrender, saying, here I am just as I am, Jesus, I come to you, Lord and Savior. You're giving him the door to your heart and to your life that allows him to change your life. If I'm I'm willing for you to change my life. I'm ready for you to change my life. I'm hoping you will change my life. And he will. It's a surrender to the authority of Jesus. We don't come to him with preconditions or limitations. We don't say, well, Lord, I really want to go to your kingdom. I really want to go to heaven when I die. I really want to have a relationship with you, but I have some conditions you need to meet. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do conditions. He doesn't go, well, I've never heard of that one before. Maybe we should do that. No. He goes, oh, you've raised a good point. Yeah, no, he doesn't do that. Oh, I I want you so bad in my kingdom, I'll make an exception for you. He doesn't do that. He doesn't talk conditions with us. And if you say, Lord, I really want to be saved, but I only want to be saved 90%. There's 10% I don't want you to mess with in my life, and so therefore... 90%. 90%. He doesn't do limitations. He doesn't operate in percentages. You see, the fact that I surrender says, here I am just as I am, all that I am, all that I have been, all that I will ever be, all that I could be, all that I'm not, here's who I am. Oh, surrender. It is Surrender. We must be willing to let everyone and everything go. Romans 10, if you look over there just for a second. Romans 10, uh, we've looked at this verse a couple of times. Uh, Paul says this in, 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 in verse 8. Uh, in, the, in fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. What is this that's close at your hand and in your li- on your lips and in your heart? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Repentance has occurred. You say, well, what's the name? Repentance and belief are actually intertwined in such a way you really can't separate them. If you really believe sufficient salvation, it's because there's been a change of attitude and change of mind in your heart. Because they're actually come together. And that moment of repentance is when I say, I surrender to who you are. You are Lord. You are the ultimate authority of creation, the world, and of my life. I get it. I'm coming to you because you were raised from the dead to validate your authority and your position before Almighty Holy God as the Son of God 
co-equal with God, co-eternal with God, co-existent with God. You're God, Lord of all, and I surrender to you. I'm no longer trying to be a boss of my life. I want you to be the boss of my life. You remember when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, I want to go to heaven. We talked about this resolute a couple of weeks ago, but he came and he said, I want to go to heaven. How do I get there? And Jesus said, well, here's what you need to do. Jesus had compassion. Jesus really loved the guy. He said, man, I'm, I'm glad you asked the question. Now, here's what you need to do. And Jesus was trying to teach him something. He said, you need to keep the, the law, the Ten Commandments. And the guy says, you know, I've done that ever since I've been a young boy. I've kept all those. Now, Jesus was not trying to enforce the doctrine of work saves you. He's not talking about a work saves you. That wasn't what he was trying to He was trying to teach this young man a truth about his life. He said, I want you to keep the Ten Commandments. Now, the guy should have said, nobody can keep the Ten Commandments. I've never been able to keep the Ten Commandments. What have I got to do? And Jesus would have told him. But then what he did, he said, I've kept those, man. Piece of cake. Done that. I am A+. plus." Jesus said, well, okay, that's great. Then you only like one thing. Oh, what is it? What is it? What, what could it possibly be? Sell all you have and give to the poor. And the Bible says he walked away very sad because he was very rich. Do you know what Jesus tried to expose this young man's heart to? Truth about himself. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. And this young man's God was his money. He had already broken the first commandment. Didn't even know it. Living in rebellion against God. Living in idolatry before God. And all Jesus said was if you if you if if you're selling only having the poor and I'm saying what? If he said, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. I'm not sure God would have made him sell everything. Because he'd have done what needed to be done. He would have finally surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. And said, you're more important than anything I have. You're more important than anything in my life. You're more important than anyone in my life. Because you are Lord. You're awesome. You're unlike anyone I've ever known. And I surrender my life to you. You're more important than my wealth. But he didn't do that. He left very sad. The moment of repentance and belief comes together when we finally realize that Jesus is all we want for our salvation. And he's all we need for our salvation. And we come saying, I am desperately in need of you touching my life, for I am, done, I'm, I am toast without you. I am undone without you. I'm unprepared to meet God without you. It's surrender the thought of Jesus. When my wife shares her testimony, she talks to people, she's always going to get to the point and say, there comes a point when you surrender. 
when you hand over your sword, quit fighting God. Quit trying to be the exception. Quit trying to be the one that's different. Quit, quit trying to, you know, this is what you do. I had a buddy of mine call me uh, some time ago and said, I got to do a funeral. He says, really weird, bizarre funeral. The guy come to church some, but he really, I guess, wasn't, you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't really a member of the church. And uh, he had already planned out his funeral, knew he was going to die. And, and the songs he's singing are, men they're just kind of, I don't know what to do with them. I said, well, the guy's funeral, you got to do them because he gets to pick his funeral. But I certainly figured out how to talk about them in my message and relate truth out of them. He said, well, let me tell you what the songs are. First one is, I'm climbing the stairway to heaven. That's a rock song. I get back there if you go back for some of you older guys. Young guys have no idea what I'm talking about. But uh, anyway. Uh, and the other one is, I did it my way by Elvis Presley. He said, what am I going to do with that? I said, preach truth. There is no stairway to heaven we can climb. And you can't get there your way. And so we tend to think somehow that sounds cool. We can do that. Uh, no, no. Secondly, starting to follow Jesus. That's what repentance is. You start following Jesus. Remember when he was walking down by the beach and he looks over to a bunch of fishermen? He says, guys, hey, and they knew who he was. I mean, they'd heard John the Baptist, the word had gotten out. This guy's kind of amazing, unique. And he said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. It was a moment of repentance. So how do you know that, Pastor? Because they left their nets and followed him. They left their boat, their net. They started following this guy, didn't know where he was going to take them. They had no idea what would be happening when they started following this guy. But they followed him. Spent three and a half years with him. Repentance is belief in action. It's a choice that comes from realizing the truth about you and about God. I realized what he said about me. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And then uh, the testimony about we, we're in need of a Savior, and the Savior is Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. And so we kind of come to believe that, and because we believe that, we're willing to let go of everything that keeps us from knowing Jesus. Now, that's simple, but sometimes very hard. Oh, man. I don't know. I, I kind of like some stuff. I'm, I mean, I don't know. Well, choice is really yours. He'll bring you to the point of understanding you've got to make the choice. But you have to make the choice to let go. And give him you. It's a change of that direction. I have a Garmin. I have a female voice on the Garmin because I've been programmed to listen to that pretty well. (laughs) Anyway, uh, and she's pretty persistent. I might add, she's pretty tough. She kind of tells me all the time what I'm supposed to do and, and whatever. And so occasionally I will, I will kind of go, go radical on her and not do what she says just to kind of see what happens. But, you know, I kind of, ah, what's she going to do with this? And so she'll tell me to turn around. And not only will she tell me to turn around, she'll give the little picture that shows the little, you know, you turn around, the little air that bends back the other way. 
And uh, she was doing that with going, I was going somewhere, and I didn't like the direction she was giving me. I went, and I'm just kind of going, no, I don't like that. I'm going to go another way. And, and so she has told me uh, three occasions, turn, turn around, turn, turn around, you turn. She's done it several ways. And, and then uh, the little thing shows and, and uh, even shows an exit that you can, uh, you know, so I haven't. And then something amazing happened. She quit talking to me, never said another word, and then appeared on my Garmin, continue on. Just keep doing what you're doing. I'm done. I ain't got anything to say to you. Oh, wow. Okay. Pretty cool. Uh, there's going to come a time, God says, keep, you need to turn here. You need to get off the exit ramp here. This is where you need to turn. You need to change, change direction. Change your mind about the way you're going. Because you're going the wrong way. Change your direction. You're going to end up in destruction. Change your mind about how this is going to work. Or you're going to end up with severe consequences in your life. And we go, no, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I got this worked out. I'm going to do it my way. Huh? And there'll come a moment. It's okay. Continue on. Continue on. The core of Jesus' message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You say, but man, you know, we become new creations in Christ. Old things become, uh, all things become new. Old things pass away. That's what Paul said in Corinthians five seventeen. Christ becomes the Lord you follow, the Savior you love, and the friend you treasure. That's what happens when you repent. You just fall in love with Jesus for who He is. You finally get it. You finally embrace him. And you sense, and all of a sudden you can really experience the love he has for you and the grace he brings to you. And it's incredible what he does in your life. You say, well, Pastor, how do you know you do that right? Oh, isn't that tough? We always got to figure, do we do it right? Even Jesus took care of that. Let me tell you how great he is. In Matthew 3.14, if you go back over there, this is pretty cool. Matthew 3, 14, he's gonna, what's happened is John the Baptist is baptizing people. And it's called a baptism of repentance. They would come into the water, they would confess their sins, and then he would baptize them and they'd leave from the water. And they, and, and they, 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 would, they would, you know, do what they say, what they need to say about their life and their failure, and they'd move on. All right? The Bible says something unique about Jesus. Well, John is baptizing, and John knows who he is. Jesus steps into the water. And it says, verse 14, John tried to talk him out of it. <laughs> I can see John saying, you're kidding, right? You don't want me to do this. This just doesn't make any sense. I know who you are. I can't baptize you to repentance. You ain't sin. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? Jesus said it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. What did God require? It wasn't water baptism. It was repentance. It's repentance. You say, well, now, Pastor, I'm confused because he didn't sin. He wasn't going to repent. So why is he doing this? Look. So John agreed to baptize him. Do you know what happened that moment in time in history? When Jesus in the water says, John, I want you to baptize me. But Jesus, you haven't sinned. I, you need to be baptizing me. I've sinned. 
You know, I probably lost my temper a few times, got mad at these Pharisees a lot, said some things I probably shouldn't have said. Hey, you need to baptize me. No, you baptize me. Because what the Father requires, repentance. Jesus even repented in my place. Is that not awesome? It ain't like we got to make sure we do it right. No, no, no. We come with all we know, the light we received, the understanding we have, whether it's an understanding of a child or an adult, okay? We come just as we are, where we are, with the light we've received. And we say, I just, here I am. I'm finally saying yes. With a childlike faith, whether I'm 10 or, or 60, I don't know the formula to say. I don't know if I'm going to cry or not. I, I don't know if I don't know what I'll do. I just want to surrender to you. I'm tired of telling you no. I'm tired of fighting with you about this. I'm tired of trying to find another way. I'm just finally saying, here I am, just as I am. I said, I got that covered. I've already made that good for you. It is all about change. 